school is officially back in session. So remember kids, while standing at the bus stop, stay on the sidewalk or someplace out of the way of traffic. And drivers, you may need to leave your house a little earlier to stop for those stop school buses. Hey, watch out! Oh, come on. I'm running late for work. Hey, pull over. You could almost cause an accident or worse yet, hit a kid running late for the bus stop. So take this as a lesson. If you pass a bus with its flashers on and stop sign out, you'll get pulled over and could lose your license. Well, I'm glad no one got hurt. Unfortunately, I just lost my license for a while. And that's your tip of the day from Sergeant BC. Subscribe now.
over an hour. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Thank you guys for tuning in. For most of you, you guys know that this is a transition from the lab where we interviewed individuals with business products and positive messages. Now we've transitioned to black and blue where we highlight police officers in the United States of America who are rookies, who are seasoned, and who are retired. And we have a tremendous show ahead of you today. And thank you guys for tuning in. We're going to get into it. Some of you may know him, others of you may not, but I'll introduce him here in a, in a minute. Right now, I am Coach Clee. I'm your motivational speaker, your empowerment coach, your author, and your favorite baker's favorite baker. And those of you that I see the Facebook two streams, something is going on with Facebook where it's not. There's an error message showing up, so I apologize. Uh, hopefully, it'll get corrected. If not, we'll upload it to Facebook once we're done. But I see we're streaming on two pages on YouTube right now, and we're streaming on LinkedIn. So we're still going to give you a very uh, colorful, fun, and very informative show that's ahead of you. Thank you guys for tuning in. Like I said, this is Black and Blue, and we got a couple sponsors out there. You see them in the comments section. First and foremost, MG4Tech, Merrick Green. Any of your online needs, if you're looking to do any kind of podcasting, anything online for a website, he's the guy that you need to contact. Don't do it right now, but when this live is over, make sure you check him out. His, his website's in the comments section. Also, One Way Publishing is a sponsor for this too. One Way Publishing is a book publishing company where their motto is they can turn a mere thought into a book that's bought. And I, I think it's a You see the books behind me, all One Way Publishing. There's a couple of uh, few clients out there, all One Way Publishing. Sergeant B Safe, One Way Publishing, you know, and we they make sure that we can get it done. Sergeant B Safe says it best. Stay tuned right here. He's going to let you know. Hi, I'm Sergeant B Safe. One Way Publishing is the sponsor for the podcast Black and Blue. And these books behind me are a few of the books that are on their website. Check out the latest one, The Lab Part 2. It just came out. It's a compilation of former guests that were on the show. But make sure you tune into the podcast. That way you can see cartoons of me giving out safety tips on how you can be safe. See for yourself. Go to the website, workwithclee.com. Subscribe now. And we'll be seeing more of Sergeant Be Safe during this podcast. If you have any one uh, any information or you want to um, reach out to um, One Way Publishing, the website is in the comment section. If you're looking to have a book published, they're the ones to reach out to. If you're looking to be on this platform, uh, they're the ones to reach out to as well. All right. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm not going to monopolize your time any further. We have Roger Collins, the second backstage, ladies and gentlemen. He is a commander. He is a supervisor. He's a training and developing officer. He is a community engagement consultant, and he's also a professional keynote speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, I am excited to meet and bring to the stage Roger Collins. Roger, are you here? I am. Perfect. How's everybody doing? 
I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I, I'm I'm kind of upset. You already know about the camera. We talked about that a little bit. And then uh, the Facebook isn't letting us be great, but we're gonna go ahead and, and have a good time anyway. Roger, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Doing well. Coming off a shift. What better way to end my day than to be with Coach Clee and talk about some police work? Absolutely. I like it. I can feel the excitement. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, well, some of that is is on the wall behind me. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm from Steubenville, Ohio, a small town in Ohio, close to Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. um, where I'm the son of a minister and, and the son of a cop. Okay. Um, my dad's a retired police officer. Um, and so, and my uncle's a retired police officer. So I kind of got in the, in, into the family business. So behind me, you'll see my uniform, you'll see my uncle's uh, to over this shoulder and another family member over this shoulder. Um, we're, we're a police family. And mm -hmm. so uh, kind of pushed me into that profession. Uh, I'm a 11 year veteran of a large agency in the state of Kentucky. Okay. Um, there, I'm also a uh, college professor in my from my hometown. Uh, okay. Shout out to the Eastern Gateway Community College Gators. Um, so I've been teaching for two years, policing for eleven, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm a father of three beautiful kids and, and a mm -hmm. husband to a labor and delivery nurse who's awesome. Um, so now I'm just enjoying life and. Love talking about policing, community policing, leadership, and uh, recruitment. Absolutely, we're gonna jump all into that. I appreciate that. It sounds, yeah, it sounds like you got a lot of wonderful things going for you, and I appreciate you making time for the podcast, coming right out of work. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what your some of your responsibilities and duties are currently? Yeah, currently I am uh, a platoon sergeant, a platoon commander. So okay. I'm in charge of, on any given day, 10 to 15 officers mm -hmm. uh, in a patrol sector. Um, I distribute, you know, daily tasks on areas of concentration for crime and mm -hmm. just trying to focus on making uh, uh, the city that we work for a lot better uh, each and every day. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I want to kind of take a step back. I know you said you're, you're the uh, offspring of a minister and um, another, uh, your second generation police officer, third generation. Uh, what actually got you into police work itself? Was it watching your family, your father go to work and come home in the stories? Or did you have a burning desire from a young age? Uh, I had the burning desire from a young age, but that desire came when my father became a police officer. Okay. So uh, my father became a police officer and then also my uncle, who, who's another huge gotcha. part of my life. Uh, he's, he is retired after 30 years of service in North Carolina. Okay. Uh, so I just love, I love policing. And, and quite frankly, uh, growing up in my city, there weren't, I think there was one person of color that was on our police department. Mm. So it was very intriguing to notice I have a large amount of people of color in my family as a police that came to policing. Uh, so that was another thing that sparked my interest. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I see uh, Michael Glover and, and Deborah Glover. They're, they're giving you a couple shout outs on here. Shout out to them. Yeah, that's my that's my family. That's my people. Uh, so their actual their uh, sister in law is another law enforcement commander. Uh, in my family, um, we're, we're just blessed. We are truly blessed with servant, uh, a servant family. Um, you can only see three of the uniforms here, but if I scan over, you'll see there's several others in the family that uh, oh, wow. 
chose yeah. to do this. And I'm, I'm also missing two that I haven't framed up, but it's the way to honor my family mm -hmm. for one, leading me into this profession and um, just being great servants, great mm -hmm. servants to people. I like that. I like the the, the framing of the uniforms and, and making it a mural. That's a great idea. I, too, I, don't, I don't have as many law enforcement officials. I have um, my father was a law uh, a police officer. My brother in law is a police officer currently. So I, I mean, I, coming from a second generation as well, I can understand the prestige and the honor that you have for it. Absolutely. So, like you said, uh, I'm pretty sure your father and your uncle and your family were mentors. Are, are there other mentors that help influence you to become the person that you are today? And if so, uh, would you like to give them a shout out? And how did they help bring you and nurture you up until this level? Wow, there, there's there's several. Um, you know, of course, my dad and my uncle planted that seed mm -hmm. and, and pushed me in that direction. And then once I got into uh, the profession, I interned with the U.S. Marshals. Okay. in the middle district of North Carolina. Okay. And um, there was a, um, what was he? I think it was a chief deputy. He was just a huge, he pushed me, he pushed me, he challenged me. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, what pushed me into going into leadership in law enforcement. Um, when I finally got on my police department here, um, I've actually, most of my mentors have been black females. Okay. Who saw my passion, mm -hmm. saw my drive, and, and pushed me. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, in law enforcement, we create families. Uh, another one of my mentors is also my kid's godfather. He was a okay. huge impact on um, on how I do policing, how I approach leadership. So, I mean, there's so so many so many to name, so many names. Gotcha. And your influence, like you said, I know you said you watched last week's show uh, with Barbara Tom Thomas, and uh, she she was very uh, inspirational to uh, other officers as well. She was a, an uh, academy instructor, and like you said, another black female to kind of push other people forward. She has since retired out of police work and is living a, a totally separate life, but kudos to everyone who pushes along and keeps the, the cycle going. Because this isn't always an easy job to do. And someday there's good days and there's a lot of rough days. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your leadership style and what leadership means to you. So my leadership style is, is I like to have a situational leadership. You never know. And this will lead into the mental health side of your officers. Um, you never know what a person is going through mm -hmm. as their boss. Um, so mine is very simple is our officers are our biggest tool there's no other tool on the police department that we have mm -hmm. so it, it's just it's strange that we we you know as a you have your patrol car right mm -hmm. and if you don't get the oil change and it blows up you'll get a letter in your file you'll get a rip for not taking care of your car uh -huh. um commanders need to get a rip for not taking care of their officers wow uh, and that's also focusing on every aspect of that officer, mm -hmm. um, focusing on his home, their his or her home life. How are you supporting them? What type of quality of life at work do you provide to your officers? You're going out and you're asking them to provide a great quality of life to the citizens of their community. Mm -hmm. And so as a commander, your job is to provide a great work quality of life for them. And that will, I mean, that will make dividends when it comes to how they police in the community. Mm -hmm. So 
it's, it's very situational. What Officer A might need something different than Officer B. But the biggest thing is being in tune to what your officers need mm -hmm. and also understanding that, you know, their number one priority is their family. Right. We, we, we all love policing. So how can you as a commander understand that, nurture that, and make mm -hmm. sure that they take care of their number one priority? Because then now you become number two if you do it right. So um, that's kind of my leadership style. I don't, I don't think it really has a, a name to it, but uh, just take care of your biggest asset, which is your officers. Gotcha. Yeah, I like that. I like that. How do you get to know each individual officer? I know you said you have your uh, under your command are about ten officers. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and I, I know that's just like being a coach on a, a team. You have uh, uh, ten officers, ten people out uh, playing, running the running the field. 10 different personalities, 10 different styles. How do you get to know each and every one? And how do you know what their ticks are, what, what things that their hiccups are and things that motivate them and, and things that, that keep them going? I I like to call these the, um, what, what do I call them? They're the, the layups of leadership. It's the hmm. simple stuff. I think sometimes we make it so difficult that becomes convoluted and we can't do it. So gotcha. those simple things are when they're walking in the door, you stand up out of your seat and you walk to them and ask them how their day is going. Mm. Uh, when they walk past all the commanders, you be the commander that goes over and say, man, how are you doing? Taking time in understanding your people, interacting with your people. Uh, I'll give you an example today. One mm -hmm. of my officers, his, his son, him and his son love hunting. Mm -hmm. So I knew hunting was season was coming up. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I said, man, I remember from last year because I remember he asked for time off to spend time with his son to go hunting. And that's one thing that I say is, and we have the people to do it, oh, you're going hunting with your son. Mm -hmm. Because at the, end of, at the end of the time, once you retire, I'm not going to be sitting in your living room. It's going right. to be your son. It's going to be right. your wife. It's going to be your family. So mm -hmm. I, as a commander, have to make them a priority to you. Mm -hmm. So today, I said, man, how's your son doing hunting season? Come, he said, ma'am, Sarge, he, he just got a 10-point buck with a bow. And he showed me the mm -hmm. video of his son. And his son was just so funny. His, his son's reaction to killing this 10-point buck, uh, buck was, I smoked him. I smoked him. And he was <laughs> so excited. But I also seen the smile on my officer's face when mm -hmm. his commander knew something special about his child. That is what makes us special as a leader. And that's in any field. You need to know your people. Know what's important mm -hmm. to them. Absolutely. That's a good example. That's a, and that, that's stepping, getting outside of the job itself and making it very personal. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. We got a message from Sergeant Be Safe, and we're going to come right back. enter this holiday season be mindful and vigilant that this is when scammers and thieves like to take full advantage of us it's more than just ghosts and goblins out there there's real life monsters like Rodney Blind and Chance Wilder ready to hurt and take advantage of kids and adults alike kids and parents be mindful while out trick-or-treating <laughs> 
And don't accept candy from strangers. There's a lot of things out there that may look like good candy that's actually very poisonous for you. So let's be safe and only go to places that you know and be accompanied by an adult that you trust. And that's your Halloween tip of the day to get you on your way. Ooh. Subscribe now. Right, and that was certain be safe. I hope you like the holiday commentary, the Halloween commentary. We got more coming. There's another cartoon in the works, and there's another video in the works. So you guys make sure you tune into the channel, tag, like, and share. You want to be a voiceover, reach out to uh workwithlee.com on the website or on the in the comments listed below, and we can make sure we get that done. But without further ado, we're gonna jump back into this interview. Roger, you still here? I am, I am. Perfect, perfect. Roger, I, we, I know we talked about um, leadership and your leadership styles with uh, the, the men and or the, the officers that you, um, you watch over. Have you seen a rise in mental illnesses, or mental health calls or crises uh, while dealing with the public? And if so, what kind of challenges do you think we as police officers should take to try and counteract a lot of these um, situations? Yeah, we have seen a, a huge rise in um, mental health call mental health calls for service. Mm -hmm. uh, prior to being a police officer, I was what they would call a qualified mental health specialist. Okay, uh, I, I predominantly worked with juveniles in mm -hmm. the Akron Public School District. Mm -hmm. uh, juveniles that have oppositional defiance disorder, PTSD, different situations like that. Um, so what we're seeing is an increase of our homeless our houseless population suffering uh, from mental illness. Um, it's gonna increase as the weather gets cold. Um, and yes, we, we saw a huge increase. I, I think the fix is something that I think departments across the globe are working on. Um, of course, you know, we've had the American Rescue Plan funds that's been sent to police departments or cities across the, across the globe. And they're taking advantage of that. Elected officials are really focusing in and using that money wisely and focusing in on things like mental health. So um, something in my department that we piloted was the diversion, call diversion. Mm -hmm. So we'll get a call from a, we call them consumers mm -hmm. um, in our city who are, who are suffering from mental health crisis and we'll gauge if the police needs to go uh, or if the police would go as a secondary only to be safe um with a mental health specialist to right. assist that person um i think a lot of times uh and we, you hear our community say this we don't want to be over policed yeah and what that means to me is um not using police as the hammer sometimes mm -hmm. we need a screwdriver you know um <laughs> i like that but after after five o'clock all we have is a hammer because we're the only ones working 24 7. Exactly. And so what, hap what happens is police departments become the hammer after five. Mm -hmm. um, so these programs like diversion programs are very helpful. I just caution leaders, police leaders, uh, police chiefs and elected officials that you also have to be mindful that when someone's going through a crisis, you really have to gauge that. Because we also don't want to take our mental health specialists and put them in a position 
where they can be hurt or harmed. Right. Um, Cause then that's when law enforcement is needed. Anytime someone's life is threatened or bodily mm -hmm. harm is created. So um, it, it turns out great. It helps the community's request to not be over-policed, um, but it also gives the person the services that they need to make them back to a functioning member of society and, and really treat their illness. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's the ultimate goal is to, to treat the illness and get the person back into a, a functioning uh, working capacity to where they can feel normal and, and move on and be a productive person in their own life and capacities. Absolutely. So have you seen, um, what, are, what are your challenges in dealing with uh, fellow uh, officers on the job? If they, if we see an incident, we see a bad car crash, a bad shooting where, where you work in a night shift and it's call after call after call, domestic after our child endangerment, after bad accident, and so on and so on and so forth. And that officer may be suffering from feelings of depression or things along those lines, or their coping mechanism may be to just go home and, and, and chug some uh, bourbon itself. And, and that in yeah. itself becomes a repetitive cycle. Uh, how do you identify uh, situations like that? And how would you counteract that? So the biggest thing is those are greatly prevented by good supervisors. Hmm. And I even hate to say supervisors. Those are prevented by great leaders. Okay. Because we talked about early knowing your people. Mm -hmm. If if I see, let's just take, for instance, the officer I spoke about early, mm -hmm. come in and I talk to him about his son and deer hunting, and I don't get that same response. Okay, my spidey senses are up. Right. So I might talk about another subject that I know he usually responds to. And if I start to see a pattern, that's something that as a leader, I'm going to monitor. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it goes back to the patrol car, you know, and this is where I really think supervisors should be held accountable is if I'm going to write an officer up as a commander for not taking care of a patrol car, my lieutenants and my majors should be able to write me up if I'm not taking care of that officer. Mm -hmm. So that means knowing that, hey, there's something going on. I need to identify that. Mm -hmm. And you can't identify anything if, if you're not interacting and having a relationship with your people. Um, one of the things that I think we're doing here locally is um, we, we started an officer wellness program. Okay. Um, so while that, that's a huge help, we also have a great um, a peer, peer support group. Mm -hmm. um, the commander who just left that group for our department was phenomenal. That mm -hmm. was her passion. Uh, gotcha. When I say she was phenomenal, she was phenomenal. That was her passion. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what, I, that's what I love. I love seeing people in their passion because you get the best results. And then you get that officer or that commander that just loves what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I think those are good, but nothing beats a great leader who is monitoring his officer. Um, I think the second part of that is prevention. So you think about, and I had this conversation with an officer recently. Um, mm -hmm. Think about when you were a brand new rookie, right? Mm -hmm. And you're on a shooting scene and that senior officer is like, man, you want to go to the shooting scene? Let's go, let's go. So you have everybody in this scene that doesn't need to be in the scene probably. Right. And then you're, you're taking this officer and sometimes it's even more senior seasoned officers and you're putting trauma in this officer's mind when he doesn't need to. 
You're mm. adding him to a scene that he doesn't need to be added to. And then you're also putting an image in his mind that he doesn't need. Now, as police, we have to respond to very critical incidents. Right. So there's some we cannot avoid. Right. But the ones that we don't have a responsibility to be, and if we go, we're in the way, why would we intentionally do that? Um, but Good it goes point. back to the goes back to the old school mentality of policing, you know, tough, 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 tough. Um, how has that warped the mind of some raw officers by doing that? Um, there's training, there's training value from that. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but there is some value. There is some devalue when you intentionally force those images on an officer. Um, mm. So how can we prevent that as commanders? Um, one thing that I say is uh, there was a very bad car accident on the highway. So, of course, I go to the scene to command the scene. Mm -hmm. uh, where the car accident happened, it was secure. There was no need at all for me to go up there. Right. And um, the officer was like, hey, did you go up there? I was like, nope. <laughs> There's no point for me to go up there. Um, There we go. We yep. froze for a second. Yeah, yeah. I was as, just a about commander, as a commander, I have to look at that and make sure that that's important when I look at my officers. Like, if he doesn't need to go up there, there's no point of sending him up there or her right. up there. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. So with incidents that are going on, I know, um, like we talk about on this platform often, um, police work and police officers are very cyclic in the United States of America. There's many times where quite lately we've been at the very bottom of the totem pole and it seems like uh, where everyone hates us and we're the worst thing in society. And then uh, right now, most times mo we hang out somewhere in the middle where, where, where it's nice to be around. Uh, when we're needed, is it's it's good, but out of sight, out of mind. That's normally where we hang out in, in the middle portion. And other times, you know, we're at the very top when everyone loves us and we can't do anything wrong. And hey, thank you for your service, and you guys are great, and all those other things. So it's very cyclic. In uh, 21st century policing, what kind of challenges do you think law enforcement officers face with the public, and and public the public uh, citizens face with law enforcement officers, vice versa? So I'll go back, I'll touch, I want to touch back on part of that mental health. So you think in 2020, there was a lot of civil unrest in cities across this country. It was. Um, so I also think uh, about the way in particular, uh, a lot of officers went through, um, had mental breakdowns. Uh, mm -hmm. That time was rough. Um, and uh, just to be frank, it was pretty rough for um, police officers of color. Right. It was, it, it felt like you were in the middle of this battle. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think it's important to look at, have, have some type of focus um, in that area when you look at your officers of color and, and focus on how they responded to um, two years ago, because that still plays a part in some officers and how they uh, interact and patrol or they just quit. They just mm. quit policing altogether. Mm. Um, but some challenges, to, to, to answer your question, some challenges is um, something that my chief says very often and I 100% agree with her. Policing has to rebrand itself. Mm. We absolutely have to rebrand ourselves. 
Yeah. And what does that look like, right? Um, you, you know, we have the history of policing and how, how law enforcement came about. Yeah. And then you have what the civil unrest that yeah. uh, some people, you know, connected to the history of law enforcement. So we have to really go back and, and, and really rebrand our stuff. And the challenge is recruiting is a big challenge. Um, and so the challenges we get is to not be hit with this broad brush. Um, I am not even close to Derek Chauvin. Um, so, but a lot of times we're putting this broad brush. Of yes. Yeah. Um, and, and quite frankly, it's no different when it comes to citizens. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes officers can paint citizens with this broad brush. Um, we had civil unrest in, in my town, and some of the people who were protesting were people I know. Uh, yeah, were, were my neighbors. Yeah, uh, I had a my former neighbor was was a protester, and we've had great discussions. Um, mm -hmm. She's an awesome lady, and she had frustrations that. Quite frankly, she talked to me about, but she didn't feel comfortable talking to everybody. Yeah, about. I understand. You know, so it's not painting this broad brush and not assuming that we can't, that it has to be one or the other. You have to, you know, support police or not support police. Um, listen to citizens or listen to police. There's, there's no one over the other. Right. Right? We will only be able to get policing back to where it needs to be or to where it needs to be by working together. I like that. And we'll jump into community policing here in a moment. But I, I like how you you d discuss uh, rebranding uh, because everything, even Coca-Cola, uh, not to put names out there, does go through some sort of rebranding. You have to repackage the same product and, and distribute it a different way and reissue it to a new generation of individuals that see society very differently, but you still have to keep peace and order. Uh, like you said, during the uh, the protests that slash turn the riots that were two years ago, I remember uh, I was front line on a very chaotic day. I was working a weekend day shift and I got called to go down to the Capitol uh, to go stand. And it was very chaotic because the protest did turn into a chaotic fight. A lot of faces. I'm like, I, I knew I knew these people. And, and, and there it was it was. It wasn't a fun day. It was a very, it was a violent day. It was very stressful. It was very hot. It was like the perfect storm and you're standing there and, and so many things happen. I've discussed it on this platform before. I don't want to revisit all of it. Um, but just, just understanding that uh, uh, the aftermath of all, all that, you do feel like a man without an island or a man uh, without a country sometimes, a man on an island because you don't yeah. have too many people that can relate to you on both ends of the spectrum and you're just kind of isolated right there and have to take in all that, those issues, all those problems. And then you kind of, you have to, I had to find my own release. My release is mainly the platform, writing books and finding other uh, topics that are away from law enforcement. But there's, there's others that I just know that, like you said, become very angry, become very bitter, that just kind of disassociate themselves with anything and are just going through the motions. Yeah. Hundred percent. Absolutely. So, what's your take on uh, community policing? Like you were kind of leading into. Uh, I know that the communities, a lot of communities, discuss that the police officers need to get out in the community often. And in my department, and a lot of departments where I interview individuals on this platform, they they do national night out. 
We do coffee with the cop. We do cop with the shop for around Christmas time. We get out in the high schools uh, during day shift. We get out at the local parks and play basketball and football. And they, it, it's happening. Uh, police officers have always been interacting, from my point of view. Uh, not everyone sees it because everyone sees the negative things that the media puts out. But in reality, we're, we're out. We're ground level almost all the time. What's your take and what's your view on community policing? Yeah. Uh, my view on community policing, and, and some may like it, some may, some may not, is mm -hmm. we have commercialized community policing so much. We've commercialized mm -hmm. it. It is now the the buzzword for politicians. It it's the buzzword for it's the buzzword for everything. Mm -hmm. And I'll give what I think community poli a synonym of community policing is, and then I'll explain why. Community policing and beat integrity are the same thing. Wow. So when you go right. back and think, like look at National Night Out. National Night Out was a great event. Don't get me wrong, I participated. I planned National Night Out. Uh, I was a mm -hmm. former commander of um, my department's community policing unit. So okay. these events are awesome. It's a great way to get in the community. But I think the it's more so become a PR more than it is community policing. Yeah, While you are yeah. having that community interaction, um, you're not really building sustainable relationships. And that's mm -hmm. what community policing is. Community policing isn't the officer who takes a picture with a kid and hands him a teddy bear. Community policing is actually working and riding your beat and working in partnership with the community to fight crime. It's actually a policing strategy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it's got so commercialized that people only grasp on to those things that hashtag community policing. <laughs> mm -hmm. So those pictures. And don't mm -hmm. get me wrong, uh, I, I, I do it as well. Um, when, when I go out in the community, if a person wants to take a picture of me, I, I always oblige them. They always take a picture mm -hmm. of me. But what I'm also doing is reaching back out. So what, what, I, what I caution departments on, or I like departments to look at when I speak to them is if you go back on your social media and you have a picture of your officer with somebody in the neighborhood that he patrols, go back to your officer a month later and ask him how many interactions has he or she had with that same person. Mm. Once they continuously have that interaction and build that relationship, that's true community policing. Right. Uh, these one overs are not that are, are you still interacting with your community? Absolutely. But is it the true thing of community policing? I, I don't think it is. Um, mm. And sometimes uh, it can be almost insulting to some communities. It's, it's a term that I talk about a lot. And it's called poverty pimping. I like it's that. When, it's when people go into a community and they take a picture of them giving something to somebody and the picture is more so, the, the give is more so for the picture and not for the help. So it goes back to uh, something I, I love saying, I, I posted on LinkedIn all times. Uh, I can't take credit for it. I don't know where I got it from, but yeah. how do you find out if you're doing community policing correct? Is, are you doing it for us? 
attention or are you doing it with intention? Mm. And that's the difference. Mm -hmm. So are you doing it for your personal attention or are you doing it with the intention to build a relationship as a commander or as a police officer with the community? And I think that's the key point you need to ask yourself uh, as, as policing leaders, as officers, what are you doing this for? Gotcha. I like that. And I, that reminds me of like you would always see around election time, uh, elected officials would go to certain uh, rec centers. They would go to certain churches. They would show up at certain locales that you would never see them any other time until it's a couple months before a major election. And, and you, you would be doing the same the same type of deal. You're showing up for the uh, the PR rep as opposed to those who you actually see, you know, their you know, their first names. Um, I, I know a lot of officers without my department. They know us by first name. I know a lot of people by first name. I know their picture. I know where they live. I know their mom, their dad, their kids. And so you can know their lineage, you know their history. And you can, oh, yeah, that's such and such. They live on, may not know the exact address, but I know the house. I can take you to their house and have a conversation with them. And that's, that means more to someone that you're showing up and, and they, they're like, hey, Clee, I know I messed up, as opposed to, hey, uh, officer so-and-so. And, -so. and it, 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 you, you can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation and, and it means so much more to the community. Yeah, and there's small things that commanders can do to help their officers get in that pattern, mm -hmm. um, such as uh, report follow-ups. You take a report for a theft out of a vehicle, or you take a report for a break-in, go back to that victim's house and check with them. Man, I, I was here two days ago on your break-in. I wanted to check to see how you were doing. Was there any new information? Uh, here's my card. One thing that I'm working on in my division is I want all my officers to have business cards, every last one of them. Mm -hmm. That is a personal way of you connecting with the member. All of my, all of the officers on our department, our department gave all of our officers cell phones. Mm. Putting your cell phone on there. Now, of course, your officer has to create boundaries. Is right. you know shutting that phone off when he's off, or right? He or she shutting that phone off when he's off. But those are intentional, small things you can do. Um, and 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 you know we use the term attitude reflects leadership. How your people see you interact with people will be how they interact. Mm -hmm. And how you interact with them will be how they interact with people. So if you walk past the hall, past one of your officers and don't say a word to them, what do you think they're going to do when they walk in the gas station and a, yeah. and a customer or a citizen walks past them and they make eye contact? They're not going to say anything. Exactly. A sergeant, my lieutenant just walked past me. <laughs> um, so building those relationships are very small things. Um, mm -hmm. So I, that's thing I've been working on, working on it for about six months is trying to get, we have a large department. So I'm mm -hmm. trying to get all of my officers business cards to where they can actually hand them out. Currently only commanders and um, detectives and specialty units get business cards. Okay. So it's just those little things that mm -hmm. can go a long way when you're handing out that business card and it, it, it's personal and you gotta mm -hmm. make those relationships. Mm -hmm. I know I took a sales course many, many moons ago, a, a lifetime ago, but it, it's very applicable in this profession because they said fortune's in the follow-up. 
and it's basically yeah. what she's saying is, is following back up uh, a day later two days later to, you, to, hey how are you did anything change i just want to let you know i'm still here if you have any questions feel free and that second interaction is the interaction for sales is where you normally make or break the sale for police work that's where they're oh you're you didn't just show up because i dialed 911 like you're following up i didn't call you and you're coming back okay it, it, that's the one that hits home Mm -hmm. Yeah, we. It's, it's so funny. That's a, a business model that I've always lived by, and just a networking model. Mm -hmm. You always follow up with somebody within forty-eight hours. Mm -hmm. uh, that's always been my go-to is within forty-eight hours. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right. And how far does that go? So when there's a critical incident in there's a critical incident in a uh, neighborhood or in an area, you built a relationship with them. They're going to be like, oh, there goes uh, Officer Clee. This is my son, Destin, who decided to jump in the podcast. Say hi, Destin. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> um, so when you go in those neighborhoods and you've invested time, I'm not saying you just given one Christmas event, but you invested critical time in those mm -hmm. areas that you patrol. They'll be like, no, I, I want Sergeant Collins or I want yeah. Sergeant Clee. I want, I want them here. I trust mm -hmm. them. And now what you do is you spread that to all your officers, make them have beat pride, not just on the shootings and the robberies, but make them have it on the quality of life calls, make them have it on the juvenile who keep skipping school, make mm -hmm. that another priority. And once you do that, man, the sky's the limit yeah. when it comes to your department for community policing as a whole. Yep. Absolutely. You touched on a lot. So let me ask you this. What are your individual goals uh, as far as law enforcement for the next three to five years? Uh, or, or what's your department? What do you see your department going with in the next three to five years? Um, as you know, departments across this country are ever changing. Um, <laughs> so loaded question, isn't love, it? Yeah. yeah, very loaded. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I would love to eventually go. <laughs> I would love to eventually go up in rank and mm -hmm. really really focus on implementing community policing at a department level, whether mm -hmm. that's at the department that I am, I'm at currently or at another department uh, later in the future. My goal is to help my officers, first of all, hit their goals. Right. And then also influence them. I want to create leaders that have the mindset of building that relationship. So in three to five years, I would love to see, like we, a sergeant's test just came out. And mm -hmm. I have several officers that are interested in it. So uh, I recently just took the lieutenant's test. Um, okay. And so I, I still have some of that material. So I'll be making, well, I've already made it, online tests that I can send them on their phone. Nice. Um, so my goal is to see officers under my command flourish and prosper and what they want to go into. Mm -hmm. um, leaders create leaders. Yes, they do. Um and the only way that I will be successful is if the people under my command are successful. That's where that's where my goal lies in three to five years. Uh, in five years, I'll still have about nine to ten more years to go. So I have plenty more to do <laughs> in nine years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you'll be effective. When, in those three to five years, when you have nine years left, you'll still be effective and still be making a positive difference. Yes, sir. I, I pray that that's the case. So we, we come to, uh, um, with like I said, the, the law enforcement is very cyclic. Um, for a, the longest time, most of my career up until the beer virus hit, 
we were getting floods and floods of applicants during the hiring process. We would I'm just to put out a rough number, let's just say 500 applicants, uh, and then we're only hiring for maybe five positions. And, and so you have the pick of the litter. Now, the, for rough numbers, again, the, these numbers aren't accurate for anyone because I know someone's going to come at me. Let's just say we're getting <laughs> yeah. applicants and we have nine available spaces. So now you're, you're basically getting who you can, who's available. As far as recruiting, as far as finding applicants, as far as retention, what is your suggestion on those challenges that we face across the nation uh, on this in this profession? Man, um, Clee, I think it all goes back to leadership. Hmm. It all goes back to leadership. Um, a department's biggest recruiters are its officers. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so if you're in a department where your leadership may be lacking or you don't feel supported, um, that's the story that's going to be told to people who are thinking about this career. Uh, mm -hmm. So leadership is, is, is critical, important. Um, something that I think is kind of like the big elephant in a room in law enforcement um, that's being talked about in corporate sectors, but not in law enforcement, is the quiet quitting. Have you heard this mm. term before? Yes, I have. It's very common. So uh, law enforcement is seeing some of that very same thing of quiet quitting. And for listeners who, who, who aren't familiar with quiet quitting, it's essentially the term of people acting, the, the term they use, acting their wage. Uh, mm -hmm. If they get off at five o'clock, they're done at five o'clock. Mm -hmm. um, and what it is for law enforcement is transition to a lack of proactivity, mm -hmm. um, a lack of communication. If you don't get a call for service, officers are really not effectively going up patrol. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's twofold. It's the civil unrest we just came out of. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's also leadership. Mm -hmm. How are you honoring your people? Do they feel valued? Do they feel like what they do, what they do on a daily basis matters? Um, those key things are extremely important. Um, so when it comes to recruiting, you got to sweep sweep your own porch first. Let's make sure that the people uh, uh, on your department, first of all, are being the best recruiters out there for you. Mm -hmm. And once you do that. I think you start going after um, people who are just good people and people who want to be servants to the citizens of this community. Mm -hmm. um, and my biggest thing is critical thinkers. Mm -hmm. How can you solve this problem? You know, I tell people, retired, my retired guys, I'm trying to help some of my retired guys with their LinkedIn. And they was like, man, I've been to police for 25 years. I said, yes, but you've been a critical thinker and a problem solver for 25 years. Mm -hmm. I said, you have to figure out how to get a knife wielding CIT person out of the middle of the road in a highway and try to do it in less than an hour before um, busy uh, after uh, highway traffic comes. Rush hour, right? yes. Mm -hmm. Where rush hour traffic comes, yeah. So you're put in the office and you're given a problem. That problem which is a life threatening, you did it in an hour, this problem they're giving you six months. <laughs> so you are very skilled to do this job, you know? And it's really reaching into those officers and finding those key things and letting them know that. Um, I think going after, and I hate snatching people from different careers, but going after social workers, mm. 
who are in a line that um, they have to show empathy. They, they're, yeah. which is a thing that officers need. It's a powerful tool that officers need mm -hmm. now. Um, going for people who uh, are caretakers, foster parents, mm -hmm. um, coaches, teachers, mm -hmm. um, who want to who want to truly make a difference. Um, I, I, I have this conversation with officers a lot. There are two units right now in every law enforcement agency that are most important. That's yep. patrol and recruitment. Hmm. Recruitment is the most important, one of the most important units on every police department nationwide because it's the most important thing that all departments need to do right now. Yep. Um, the ARP money it has helped departments add uh, incentives, signing bonuses and um, moving expenses. Mm -hmm. And here locally at our department, we have seen an increase of uh, applicants based on the pay raise that we just received. Okay. Um, so also paying people, there, there's no amount of money you can pay somebody to put their life on the line, but at least pay something that can catch their attention, you know? Yeah. And we recently have done that. Uh, we've recently have um, hired retirees and had them come back. Mm. Um, so we've, we've, we've done a very, very, uh, strategic way of recruiting. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's so, so, so critically important is that recruitment gets the attention and the, and the boost that they need. Um, that that's literally the most important unit on the police department right now. Interesting. I like that. I, I know how you, what you said about bringing back retirees. I know a lot of people, a lot of officers, especially during 2020, were looking to get out of this profession quickly and, and, and very uh, rapidly. And in the process of getting out, they may have moved on with their life, but to actually know they were good officers and to come back and actually be effective now, especially during this drought, uh, it, it's very, it's a welcoming feeling, especially to those that kind of just hit the wall. But, yeah, and I would, I would be okay. remiss not to mention the importance of law enforcement leaders working on their diversity internally mm -hmm. um, for their department. And, you know, as we look at civil unrest, we look at things that was happening nationwide, um, while this should have been a priority before, and you haven't noticed, citizens are telling you this is a priority. Does your department reflect the citizens that uh, live in your area? Mm -hmm. And um, part of some of the, the education that I've, I've worked on is I um, went through diversity and inclusion training through Cornell University, which is an awesome okay. program. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm not a paid spokesperson, but I'm telling you, the program is awesome. Uh -huh. um, but learning we're as a police department um where you start and that starts in your training um when you look at is all of your officers getting the opportunity to do the same training um so is if an officer wants to get promoted and in doing the promotion process you have to do scenarios like a tactical scenario mm -hmm. so part of that promotion process you have to know these things or you have to do an investigative scenario that well a tactical scenario that involves investigation mm -hmm. well if you've never had the ability to go to an investigative class there's someone that has a step above you right so it's really looking is training distributed equitably so that everybody has a fair chance to be promoted 
or to get into a specialty unit uh, to prepare them for the next step in their career. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I say equi equitably, that means to everybody. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think it's really important and, and really hitting diverse areas. Don't be afraid to go to your HBCU uh, institutions. Don't be afraid to go to your military personnel. Don't be afraid to go to the, the women's club in your city. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Don't be afraid to reach out to your LGBTQ community groups mm -hmm. and say, hey, we want a diverse police department. We want to speak to your group about how we can do that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the importance of that when it comes to recruitment. Um, that is extremely important. Our community is asking for it. Gotcha. And as you brought up uh, different organizations as in college, military, uh, social groups and things along those lines, uh, uh, the, the, a lot of the, a, lo a lot of younger adults um, that are in those, or, you know, of course, college age kids, uh, kids that or college age adults, uh, adults that have recently joined the military and are soon to be getting out or a part of civic groups. Um, they have a lot of questions. Uh, they want to know what what entails with law enforcement, what skills that they should already possess if they want to start applying, um, what courses they should take, uh, what departments they should go go apply for, where they should live, dynamics like that. Uh, if someone came up to you, a college kid, military kid, college adult, military adult, sorry, I got to correct myself. That'll get me later. <laughs> <laughs> they came up to you and hypothetically asked you that question. What kind of advice would you give them? I would say the first thing is to do your research. Um, my, my mom would say this uh, as a pastor. She would say, in all thy getting, get understanding. Mm. So do your research and get an understanding of what law enforcement is. Uh, and that research can be a ride along. Um, it could be just, you know, research, internet research on it. Uh, as far as training, I think people coming out of the service, it's, a great transition um mm -hmm. you're ahead of the game hopefully when it comes to tactics um and people in social working i use that as an example mm -hmm. are coming out of college um you you you, you have not had the life experience other than college mm -hmm. um but focusing on the maturity side because i think another thing my mom would always say where much is given much is required Right. As a police officer, you have the ability to take someone's freedom. Mm -hmm. You have the ability to put them in handcuffs. You have the ability to tell a grown man, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. So where much is giving on that, much is required. You have to be mature. You have to be able to interact and speak uh, mm -hmm. with people at a tone that reflects a problem solving. Mm -hmm. uh, those are things that you have to do. College is also a, um, a thing that can help but I look at departments nationwide and they're eliminating the college aspect. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of departments, my department is you got to have, a, I believe it's a, um, a steady work history for several years. Okay. okay. And a high school diploma. Um, mm -hmm. So I think those are some key, really key aspects. If, if someone comes to me is get an understanding of the job, um, get an understanding of the history of the job. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how many people don't know the history of law enforcement and how it came about. Um, so, um, 
and I, I guess another thing to highlight my department is we just started a course that teaches officers that hmm. how the policing start how did it come about and you'd mm -hmm. be surprised how many officers had no clue wow. um but i think that is crucial in 2022 to really focus on uh getting an understanding of the job and the history mm -hmm. of the job right absolutely how important would you feel is communication as far as this profession i get that question a lot <laughs> communication <laughs> communication is your mouthpiece is the biggest tool <laughs> it's not your gun it's not your taser it's not your handcuffs your mouth is the biggest tool that you can have mm -hmm. i've probably talked myself out of fights i've talked people way bigger than me in the handcuffs uh -huh. because i can communicate uh -huh. um it is oh my gosh that is the <laughs> biggest tool in law enforcement mm -hmm. um wow that yeah that was a good question but I, I, you said it always comes up mm -hmm. you're the way you the um uh, a commander used to say this to us all the time um what you do and how you do it matters Mm -hmm. uh, the how is important, very important, and how you communicate with people. If you get on a patrol car and you're already on ten, yeah, it's not going to go well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but with that being said, and I always have to bring it back to leadership. The same thing when it comes to you as a leader in your interaction with your officers mm -hmm. is how you do it, what you do, and how you do it matters yeah how how do you interact with your officers how do you tell them about something an issue that's come up do you do you beat down their self-esteem mm. or do you encourage them is it a teachable moment or is it a beat down right you know teachable moments make great officers mm -hmm. beat downs create officers to go into a shell and quiet mm. quit mm -hmm. Um, so communication is important to the community and as a leader to your officers. Yep. And I see the, the two streams on Facebook are back up and running. I don't know what the issue was. So if you guys are on Facebook, make sure tag, like, share, give me a thumbs up. Give me a like, ask your questions. If you're just now coming in, I know, uh, it may, I don't know if it's caught back up or I don't know if it, uh, you're just jumping in now, but we're having a tremendous interview right now. So I'll give you a moment to gather your thoughts. And let Sergeant B safe have his have his way right now. Stand by. Hey, who is that? I see you there sneaking around. Oh no! What were you doing behind that building? I was sneaking around. Sneaking around, huh? What's your name? Haven't I seen you before? My name is Bubba Bigfoot. Do you mind taking your mask off? Aha! Just what I thought. I knew it was you, Chance Wilder. You shouldn't lie and give a fake name to the police. Now I'm gonna have to take you in. I'm caught again. I'm glad it wasn't me this time. It would have been a real bummer. You should always be honest, upfront, and courteous when dealing with the police. Otherwise, it causes all sorts of other problems. Wild chances back off to jail. Err. Film pack.
subscribe now. And I see the, the Facebook crew is back on. I see Shayla loves that video. I know I appreciate that. Thank you guys for tuning in. Please tag, like, and share. We're we're right still we're still here in the uh middle of the interview with Roger Collins. We learned a lot. We learned a lot about leadership. We learned a lot about community service. We learned a lot about mental health and how to identify, how to uh we learned discuss communication and how to be effective. So many different topics we discussed. And he's still right here backstage. If you guys have your questions, make sure you bring you come with them. Roger, you still there? I am. I am. Perfect. Perfect. I want to ask you this. In the course of your career and, and the way as being a sergeant, being a commander, how do you feel that you make a positive difference in the in society, with your department and with your troops? Well, well first, that's my prayer that I do. Uh, I don't want my service to be taken in vain. Um, mm-hmm. That's 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 the that's the goal. Um <clears throat> I, I know I make a difference because my officers still come up and tell me how they feel. They still interact with me, tell me about their sons or about their wife or about their daughter. Uh, they feel confident in coming and communicating with me when it comes to my officers. When it comes to the community, I always made it intentional to build those genuine relationships, consistent mm. relationships. Um, I have... You know, there's a story that I always tell is there's, there was a young boy whose mom unfortunately was uh, was addicted to narcotics mm-hmm. and he, he got abandoned at one of our substations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the end of my shift, it's about 11, 30, 12 o'clock. We were on the hybrid shift and um, we took him, we had to take him to the hospital. Uh, okay. He's born, born addicted okay. and um, I didn't get home till three o'clock that morning. I was supposed to get off around 12, 1 o'clock. And um, I'll never forget Holton that this baby, this baby now is eight years old, I think. He just recently had a birthday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we stay in community, I stay in contact with uh, his aunt who ultimately gained custody of him. Right. Um, But I remember coming home and going in my room, uh, going to my daughter's room. At the time, we only had a daughter. Now we have three kids as we we've met one of them <laughs> and bringing my daughter into me and my wife's bedroom and she woke up she's like how did how did tessa get in here and i was like man i needed tessa more than tessa needed me yeah tonight uh after seeing this kid and uh, the impact is i still have a relationship with this kid this mm-hmm. the kid still knows me um we've been to birthday parties we go out to eat with them uh, when this adoption was finalized, we all celebrated together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's impactful to them. But man, how impactful is that to me to realize what I am doing matters? Yeah. That is a visual example of what we do as police officers matters. So we can't, we, it, we're, we're far from a time where we need to be quiet quitting. Hmm. Um, we're in a time where we need to double down and, and work on gaining the trust back with the community that we serve. Mm-hmm. Like that. I like that. You, you, you hit, a, hit the nail on the head with that one. Let me ask you, and, and 
as we close, as we soon close, um, I know we had a very uh, fruitful discussion. Is, in the course of the conversation, is there any question that I may have forgot to ask or is there anything that may have triggered you and that you want to get out there and share or convey to uh, us in the platform right now? The floor is yours. Uh, I honestly just want to say, first of all, thank you for having me on here. Absolutely. Um, my goal for being on this podcast is one, one is to, I want to be able to help law enforcement leaders, uh, law enforcement personnel on making this profession better. Um, mm -hmm. I started a consulting company uh, mm -hmm. right after civil unrest. That's the shirt I'm wearing. It's called Modern Responders. Gotcha. Um, because policing is changing. We are no longer the same responders we were in 87, the mm -hmm. 90s. Policing mm -hmm. is different than it was 11 years ago when I first mm -hmm. started. Um, and quite frankly, it's changed in two years that um, since I started the company. And so I wanna be able to help law enforcement leaders engage their community the correct way and do it as a department strategy and not as an individual unit and I also just want to make this profession, help rebrand this profession, um, as my chief would say, uh, in a direction that it needs to go. So we go back to having 3,000 applicants for 20 spots. Right. Uh, because whether people believe it or not, this profession is worthwhile. Mm -hmm. uh, you can look behind me and, and see that my family thought it was really worthwhile. Um, so um, I, I just ask that if you have any questions, or if you would like me to come talk to your police department or your command staff or create strategies for your community policing, please uh, look me up on LinkedIn. It's pretty much where I do most of my connections with at um, Roger Collins, the second I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you'll see this, this mug there. Um, <laughs> and I would love to come help your police department uh, with those particular areas to also include recruitment and retention uh, as well as diversity, equity, inclusion uh, on the side of policing. So um, it's been great. It's a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I'm very passionate about this. Absolutely. You can see your passion coming through. Um, other than LinkedIn, do you have a website or, or anything that I could post in the comments if anyone wants to get a hold of you or would you prefer them to uh, reach out to you on LinkedIn? I'm still working on the website. Um, so I don't have the website up yet. Okay. Uh, it's in the process of being created. Uh, but LinkedIn, um, my inbox on LinkedIn, my phone mm -hmm. number and email address are also in my LinkedIn profile. Mm -hmm. So you can reach out by phone or through my email. And uh, I would love the love to help. I'm just trying to make this place better. Gotcha. And I think you will. I appreciate it. I think I appreciate you coming on the platform and blessing this platform. It is very fun very easy and very informative interviewing you. Uh, and I look forward, hopefully this won't be our last interaction. I hope I can get you on the platform again and we can discuss various topics on law enforcement. I hope everything, your, your goals uh, come to fruition. I uh, appreciate everything. Uh, I want you to enjoy the rest of your evening as well, since I know that you're just getting off a shift. Yes, uh, and this won't be the last. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely be back. I, I love doing this. This is, this is what passionate enough that I can end the shift, come here and, and do this with energy and, and love. So Perfect. this won't be the last. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for tuning in. This is another episode of Black and Blue. We go live weekly with an individual that works law enforcement in the United States of America that is either a rookie officer, a seasoned officer, or retiree. And we go ahead and get those questions asked. We go ahead and learn about them and we go ahead and get that situational taken care of. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for tuning in. Please tag, like, and share. Let the channel grow. Let this content still keep hitting every single platform that we can so we can get that positive information out there i want you to know that we love you be safe and sergeant be safe is going to end our our stream here pay attention stay tuned and pay attention hello ma'am send me gift cards and your credit card numbers over the phone once chance wilder gets all of her information we're going on a shopping spree I'm talking Gucci, Fendi, and Prada. <laughs> I'll send the police to your house. You mean to tell me that if I don't send you my credit card number over the phone, you're going to come to my house and arrest me? Absolutely. I love shopping on Amazon Prime, especially when everything is free 99. I can't believe people are so gullible. <laughs> Sergeant, be safe. You're right on time. Can you help me? I sure can. Hello, wild chance. Oh no, Sergeant, right. be safe. Never give out any credit card information over the phone. I can't believe you let be safe right to us. Run, you fool. Me? It isn't my fault. It was your idea. You're caught and going back Ooh. to jail. Remember, folks, don't buy gift cards and give that or credit card information over the phone, especially to a stranger. It could be Chance Wilder and his partner getting ready to rob you blind. Remember, take it from me, Sergeant Be Safe, and that'll be your tip of the day to get you on your way. Subscribe now.